Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it's a great day today to be in church. If you're watching with us online this morning, so glad that you're with us today as well. And uh, Pastor Jeff and Heather are away this weekend, so excited that they're able to get away, be with some family a little bit this weekend as we're uh, here today, this morning in church, praying that he feels refreshed as he's away. And we're excited, starting a brand new series today called Rule of Life, and I want to start with a story just to kind of set the framework, really, of the whole series, what we're talking about. We're in the book of James for this whole series, but I'm what you call a rule follower, okay? So uh, I know how many people, are, you're more like me, you're a rule follower, okay, because that makes me feel better. Okay, th- then, there's, then there's others of us, right, that, that maybe we like to bend the rules a little bit. So uh, every time I talk about Israel and trips to Israel, it's always positive, and Somebody, Bob Davis was the first one to ask me. He was like, Pastor Matt, it's always so wonderful. Come on, what was the bad part of the trip? Tell me what was bad. What didn't work out? What was the, what was the dark side? So this is it. There actually is a dark side. On the last time, the last trip we went to Israel, I learned about the dark side of Pastor Paul. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's a dark side to Pastor Paul. Everybody thinks he's this nice guy. Great job in the announcements. Big smile up there. So friendly. But I learned about Pastor Paul's dark side. Here's what happened is every night, uh, you know, in the lobby, a bunch of people would get together, play games, played fishbowl every night, game where you have to guess what the words are and you're a team and you divide it up. So they're like, come on, Pastor Matt, play, play with us. I'm like, okay, uh, I'll join you guys. And I sit down to play. And what I learn is Pastor Paul is a rule bender so he can win the game. He's all cool with bending the rules if it, if it helps him to win. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting words to start to guess with my team. What is this? I don't know what this is. What is this word? Uh, well, you should have been here, Pastor Matt. Well, if only you knew what it was, then you would help your team win. I'm like, what is this? We're supposed to all play by the same rules. We need rules in order to have fun. It got a little heated between us. <laughs> you know, you spend a week together, you know, overseas, it starts to happen. But, you know, so that was it. I learned about the dark side. But I, am I making a big deal about something that's not really a big deal? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> a, little, a little overboard there. Uh, really though, Pastor Paul, what Pastor Jeff said last week about you, that you're just such a plus to our staff and to our church family. It's absolutely true, 100%. We love you so much. And, uh, you know, so and just, and just a story kind of to set the stage for the series Rule of Life. We have rules for everything. We, of course, have rules for games. Uh, you know the card game Uno. How many people know Uno? You've played Uno in your house before. Okay, for every hand that's up, that's probably how many different versions of Uno there are to be played because everybody has house rules. We have uh, rules for games. We have rule of law, right? Rule of law. I actually had to sit in my first orientation for jury duty on Friday. First time I ever had to do that. But there's rules to our justice system, right? Rules for the road to safeguard us and protect us. Sometimes we can feel like rules are constricting But really, rules help set us free. Rules are our friends. They help us to live in freedom, right? If you have a teenager, knowing that there are rules to the road, that really helps you. And so rules are a way to experience freedom. And so spiritually speaking, when we talk about rule of life, we're talking about principles to live by. We're talking about a core value, a core system, a code of conduct, boundaries and priorities to live by. That if I live by these things, I'll live out the life that God has for me. And so we have, lots of us have different rules of life. You know, uh, you've probably heard that phrase, consider the source. 
I think that's a great rule of life. Something, you know, when somebody criticizes you or even somebody compliments you, you consider the source. You know, how am I going to allow this to affect me? And our marriage, Rebecca and I, we always say we're a team. We're a team. That's like a rule of life for us. We're a team that uh, I'm not helping you and you're not helping me with your responsibilities. No, no, we, we're a team. We do it together. There's rules that we live by. And so in this series, we're talking about rules of life that we find in the book of James. And so today we're talking about joy, the rule of joy. Specifically, how do I have joy when I find myself in a difficult circumstance? How do I have joy in a trial? What are the rules of joy when it comes to difficult times? I think that there are truths in God's word today that will unpack, that will help us. Because the truth is, that's, that's how we're supposed to live as Christians. The Christian life promises us a life of peace, peace that surpasses understanding. It promises us a life of freedom, a life of freedom from, from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from anger, and it promises us a life of joy, even in difficult times. But it seems like so few of us really get to experience that. So few of us really get to live out that joy in difficult times. I know, at least for me, if I'm being honest, that's how I felt. When things get hard, it's not easy to have joy. And even when I think about my own relationship with God, I've, I've grown up in church. And for me, God, I've always loved God, to love serving God, sure. But that joy that comes from God, I don't feel that that's always been part of my life. Perhaps you're even here today, and you felt like God is even a killjoy. That's the reason I go through hard things is because God's trying to rob me of my joy. The shame and the guilt that you felt from church or you felt from God, it's made you, it's left a bad taste in your mouth. You don't even want to do anything with it. And so today, we're going to see what the Bible says about this. I think there's wonderful truth for us today in the book of James. And that's what we're doing this whole series. We're reading the book of James. And uh, so the book of James or the letter of James It's what's called a general letter or a general epistle. It was written to everybody. Everyone was supposed to read this at the time, all early believers. It's actually the earliest earliest book of the Bible, or or, earliest book of the New Testament that's written. So I just put a little timeline together. It's not really that impressive, but just a visual to help us see that Jesus, he died and was crucified. And less than 20 years later, somewhere in there is when the letter to James was written. So it was written by James. Uh, who is also the brother of Jesus. So if you're here today, you're wondering, is the Bible reliable? Is it true? Can I really believe what it said? Maybe your high school teacher told you the Bible, well, it was written hundreds of years after the events. That's just simply not true. It, this is, it's general knowledge. We know this, that it's written by G- James, the brother of Jesus. And I don't know what it would take you to convince you that your brother was God in the flesh. <laughs> The Bible says that James didn't believe that about Jesus at first. He challenged Jesus. There's no way that you're God, man. That's kind of a weird thing to believe about yourself. But something changed after Jesus died on the cross and he was raised from the dead. It changed James's life. And he became a prominent figure in the early church. He became a leader in the Jerusalem church. And he wrote this letter. It's the first letter, the earliest letter written in the New Testament. And so uh, it's written close to those events. James It's full of Jesus' teaching. There's lots of echoes of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we know what a change in James' life 
that now he starts to echo Jesus' own teaching. He takes it seriously now. And some have even called it the Proverbs of the New Testament because of how he's succinct and how he's, uh, he gets right to the point. He says it very clear, abrupt, with crisp, crisp commands and vivid analogies. And I, I've, liked, I've heard it said this way. If Jesus is perfect theology, then James is practical theology. Theology is our view of God, and if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. That's what Jesus says. So Jesus is perfect theology. He's the perfect view of God. So James is practical theology. How do we live that out now? And I think that helps set the stage for us as we're in this series called Rule of Life. So if you've got your Bible, open it to James 1, and this is going to be our main passage for the day. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And I'm going to read it in uh, the NASB. This is the Bible I have up here with me today. So he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. James, he gets right to the point as he opens his letter. Hey, it's me, James. You know me. Greetings. Consider it joy when you go through trials. Gets right to the punch in, uh, in his book. We talk about joy. Let's talk about what joy is quickly. This is just something maybe to help you. What we're talking about. Joy, it's more than an emotion. Joy It's related to happiness, of course. I think what we'd probably want to say is happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy is a little bit different. Joy is a state of being. Joy is a state of being that comes from knowing and serving God. Joy is a state of being that comes from knowing and serving God. And so how do I have joy in a trial? How do I have joy when I'm going through something difficult? There's two things we want to remember about joy. Two truths about joy. First, that God is the source. God is the source of joy. God isn't a cosmic killjoy. If you felt like God is trying to suck the joy out of your life or something, that couldn't be further from the truth. This is actually one of my favorite passages in Scripture, John 10.10, Jesus' mission statement. He says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's the enemy that comes to steal your joy. It's the enemy that comes to kill your joy. It's the enemy that wants to steal your joy, not God. Jesus wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. He wants to give you and me a full, abundant life. And so God is the source of joy. And that's, if you want to have joy when you're going through something difficult, we have to understand this, that there's no circumstance, there's no situation that will ultimately bring me joy. The scripture is full of this. In Ecclesiastes, this is in the Old Testament, King Solomon, one of the richest, greatest kings who ever lived. He reflects on everything he did. He says, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And again, I think COVID has put us face to face with this. You know, it's great having the newest iPhone. It's awesome. But you know, I I got this. This is the iPhone 11 Pro. When I got this iPhone, I bought this iPhone. And four weeks later, uh, Apple released the iPhone 12. (laughs) Four weeks later. You can have the newest thing. 
But then something else just comes. It's like chasing the wind. It's chasing the wind. It's meaningless. At the end of the day, it won't bring me joy. It won't bring me satisfaction. Joy is a state of being that comes from knowing and serving God. And that's exactly what Paul says in Philippians. He says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How do I have joy in a trial? I know that God is the source and simply knowing him, having a relationship with him is where I'll find that joy. And of course, the other thing to know about joy is that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice that we make. And I think if there's a hard part of the message, this would be the hardest part, knowing that joy is a choice that we make. I don't want to make light of the pain and the suffering that you may have gone through, you might be going through right now. We often don't get to choose our trials, and so it's not a matter of just, well, just put a happy face on and fake it till you make it. That's not what we're trying to say. You may not be responsible for what you're facing, but you are response-able. You can make a choice. That's what James says, consider it all joy. Consider it joy. That means it's in my ability. I have to choose joy even if maybe I don't feel it. It's not our experiences. It's not our circumstances that bring us joy. It's our explanation of those experiences that brings us, that can bring us joy, that can help us to have joy. That's why the scripture is so important. That's why we need God's word to help us because joy is a choice that we have to make. Jesus says this in John 16, 33, I've told you that in this, I've told you this so that you may have peace. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. When he says take heart, What that actually means, it means encourage yourself. Encourage yourself in what you know to be true. You will have trials and sorrows in this world. You're going to go through some hard times. But take heart. Encourage yourself. Remind yourself about what's true. I've overcome the world. God is the source of joy. So joy is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's a state of being. We remind ourselves. And so looking at James, this main passage in James, how can I have joy in a trial? I want to give you four four rules of joy in this rule of life series when it comes to joy in a trial, four rules of joy. The first one is this. If you want to have joy in a trial, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Often when we're going through something difficult, we look at our circumstance we look at what we want to change. God, would you change my work situation? God, would you change my spouse? Lord, when are you going to come through for me? Or you look at other people. Why do they have it so much easier? Well, why do they have this? Why do they have that? Why do they have the house? Why, do they, why are they have the spouse? Why, why, do they, why did they get a raise? Why do they have the job? Why is their health perfect? But if you want to have joy in a trial, we need to look in the mirror. He says, consider it all joy. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When we're going through a trial, God is testing our faith. And I want to say, if you felt like, this is how I felt growing up, that maybe God, is he a killjoy? Is he trying to take away the joy? Is he trying to take away things that make me happy because he's testing me? Look, that's what it says right there. He's testing me. He's testing me. God, what a jerk in the sky. He wants to take away the joy out of my life. But that's not the kind of testing that 
that the Bible means when it says that God is testing us. There's a couple things to note when we talk about God testing us. First, just because I'm going through something difficult, it doesn't mean that God is mad at me. It doesn't mean that God's disappointed with me. It doesn't mean that I did something, so now God has to, you know, fix me because I messed everything up. Sometimes, sometimes we make choices and we got to deal with it. But just because we're experiencing trials, a tribulation, it doesn't mean that, that God's angry with us. That's what Jesus said in John 16, In this world, you'll have trials. And so it's biblical to know I'm going to have, I'm going to find problems in this life. The testing that this is talking about, it's not like a pass or a fail test. Uh, I remember, I was just telling somebody this week about this. In high school, we were reading Catcher in the Rye, and we had to take a quiz. I read the whole chapter. I read the chapter, and I, we took this quiz, and one of the questions was what color uh, the, the, the girl's dress was. It was a green. I remember it was green because I got the question wrong, and I was really upset. And my teacher was like, well, that's because, you know, if you read the chapter, Matt, you would have known the answer. I'm like, I, I did. I, I read the chapter. It was, like, it was like she were trying to trick me. Like, it was a pass or fail kind of test as you wanted to see, did you really pay attention? Did you really know what I was talking about? And when, we, when I think of tests, that's what I think of. But that's not exactly what the Bible is talking about, this pass or fail situation. It's more of an approval. It's more of of refining. He's testing. He's refining. He's making us pure. That's, I believe this is the next verse I have there. Yes. These, uh, first Peter, it's the same word that's being used, tested here. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold. And so when we're going through a problem, when we're going through a trial, don't look at others. Don't, don't wait for your situation to change. Look in the mirror and say, God, what are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to get a hold of? How are you trying to make me better? God's not trying to quiz me. He's not trying to make me fail. He's trying to get a hold of what's going on underneath. God's trying to make me grow. I want to look in the mirror. I think about a time in my life, I wanted my situation to change. It was probably a year and a half. I was waiting for my situation to change. And I was praying, God, change my situation. Lord, help me. Change, change the things around me. And after a while, you pray that, and you pray that, and you pray that, and nothing changes. And so finally, I guess you just got to start praying something else. So I started praying about myself. <laughs> I just thought, all right, God, I guess work on my attitude. I don't know. Help me. Help me to be better. I, I don't know. And after a while of praying, God started to test me. He started to reveal what was really underneath. And I discovered that I had some bitterness and I had some entitlement that I didn't even know was there. It wasn't until I started talking to God and I started pressing into God in the midst of my circumstance that, wait a minute, there's some bitterness inside. I had developed bitterness towards people that I loved. I had developed entitlement in ministry. Well, this is what I deserve. Why do they get this? I should have this. Well, I'm better than other people. And it was as I started to look in the mirror when my circumstances weren't changing that God started to show me what was really underneath. And so if you want to have joy in a trial, look in the mirror. When you know that God is working on you, it can bring joy. When you know that God is working on you, it can bring joy. How else? What else is the rule of joy? Another rule of joy that we see in this passage Choose your transformation. How can I have joy in a difficult situation? 
Look in the mirror and choose your transformation. James says, consider it all joy when you encounter trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The truth is, looking in the mirror can be hard. Allowing God to change me, that's difficult. (laughs) Maybe I don't want to do that, right? But here's the deal. Trials always transform us. No matter what happens, when we're going through a difficult situation, it always changes us. And so we've got a choice. We can choose the result. Trials will always transform you. You get to choose the result. That's the truth. And he says, let God work on you. Let endurance have its perfect result. Let God make you better. Don't become bitter. Right? Two people can go through the same exact circumstance. One can become bitter and another can become better. And so we're going to change because of our trials. You get to choose your response. You may not be responsible for the trial that you're in. That's not what we're saying. We don't often get to choose our trials. We don't get to choose the health issue that we're walking through. We don't get to choose our, our, our family members all the time, right? We don't get to choose sometimes the changes that happen at work. But we can choose our response. We may not be responsible, but we are response-able. Are you going to get bitter? Or are you going to get better? I think if, uh, in the Bible, we, there's the Israelites. God saves them from slavery, right? It's amazing. He frees them from Egypt. God starts giving them breakfast in bed every day. It's called manna from heaven. It falls down. It's a miracle. Every single day, Israel, the people of Israel are living in a miracle. God gives them food every day. But what do they do? They start complaining. They start complaining. God, this isn't really that good. (laughs) God, you know, I think I liked it more back there when I was a slave. Wasn't that nicer? I I think I had better meals there, right? They start complaining about the miracles God gives them. And it's really funny because I never do that. And, and I know you never, we, we never do that. We never complain about things that God gives us, right? We don't, we don't do that. No, that's what the Israelites did. We have a choice if we'll be bitter or better. Uh, somebody asked me today um, how my dad is doing. I want to say to everybody, thank you for, for uh, your prayers. And when it comes to my dad, uh, everything's okay. But a, uh, two weeks ago, we had like a bit of a health scare. We didn't know what was going on. And so the Wednesday night group, you guys knew and, and you were praying and a couple other people let you know what was happening, texted a few people. I want to say thank you for praying. We just didn't know what was going on. And, and the doctor kind of freaked out, freaked out on him. He has like a heart murmur and he thought he was going to need surgery. It was like this whole thing. So I, I was praying. Uh, uh, you guys were praying for me. Thank you. He's okay right now. There's no immediate danger or anything like that. I was, but again, so I want to say thank you for, for just being a loving church family that prays uh, for our family as well. But talk about choose your transformation. The first phone call with my dad, I'm, I'm talking to him on the phone. He doesn't know. He said, the doctor thinks I need surgery. You know, like, okay, what's going to happen? I'm going to come see you tonight. Like, it was like, you know, what's going on? But in that first conversation, my dad, this is what he said. Well, you know what? I guess it's something new to trust God with. It's something new to trust God with. You can choose your transformation. Trials are always going to transform you. You get to choose your transformation. Even this week, I asked him, hey, how you feeling right now? He was having some breathing problems. I'm like, how, how you feeling? He goes, you know what, Matt? I'm, I'm okay. And you know what? I can tell you, through this whole thing, God has been working on me. God has been working on me. 
It's up to you if you want to grow bitter or better, if you want to allow God to make you better. When you allow God to make you better through a trial or a circumstance, that's what can bring joy. It's not always an emotion, but it's a state of being that comes from knowing and serving God. How do I have joy? Uh, Look in the mirror. Choose your transformation. And here's the next one. Ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. And with all these points that we're talking about today, this is coming right out of our, our main passage in James chapter 1. If you're the sort of person you've felt maybe before, like, you know, Pastor Matt, I've, I've read the Bible, I've tried reading the Bible, I just have a hard time kind of learning from it, or like, what does it mean for me now? I know it's God's Word. I hope that the points that we're going through today, these are just right out of what we read in James chapter 1. So hopefully this helps you as you go home today. And so ask for wisdom. He says, let endurance have its perfect result uh, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So you won't lack anything. God's trying to make you better in a trial. And if you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. You may say, Pastor Matt, I don't know what to do in this situation. I hear that, okay, God has a plan. I hear that God might be trying to work on me, sure. But what do I do? What do I do in this situation? I have a family member that's far from God. What do I say to them? I just don't know what to say anymore. Maybe you were in a relationship with somebody. It's over. It's it's ended. You're like, I don't even know. I used to text and call them all the time and spend my time with them and hang out. And and, and now, like, what do I do with myself, right? Maybe you say, uh, we think about our family goals financially, where we want to be. It's impossible. We're never going to get there with my job the way it is. What do I do? And this is James's style. James, this is why Proverbs of the New Testament, he goes, oh, if you don't know what to do, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He'll just give it to you. <laughs> that's, that's just what he says. God, he's generous. He just wants to give it to you. He's happy to tell you what to do. God knows everything. He's the source. And he's generous. It's simple. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but it is simple. You know, in our experience of God giving us wisdom, it's not always that cut and dry, it's not always that, um, how would I say, I guess it's not always that fast. You just say, hey, God, what should I do? Boom, tells you what to do. I think there's a lot of ways that God could give us wisdom. It may take a little bit of time, but the truth is that God has the wisdom. God is the source. He knows everything. And so we can come to God. Uh, I think, again, there's, there's many ways that God could give us wisdom, but God is not an just one of the options. He's the source. That's what he says. When you come to ask God for wisdom, let your faith be in God alone. Don't let your faith be divided like with somebody with divided loyalty. You're just kind of being blown this way and that way. You're not going to get anything from God if your loyalty is divided. Don't say, man, I'm in this situation, so let me do this. Let me do this. Maybe I can appease God. Maybe he'll give me an answer. No, that's not how we approach God. That's not what a relationship with God is like. When we come to God, we say, Lord, We know you have all the answers. I don't know how to talk to my family member right now, but Holy Spirit, you know. God, I don't know what to do as my dad is in this health situation. I've never been in this situation before, but God, I know that you're not surprised by it. Lord, you have a response that you want me to walk through. Okay, God, you have the wisdom. He's our loving father. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go to anyone else And when you receive wisdom from God, it can bring joy. Even if your situation didn't change. How do I have joy in a trial when it's hard? Even if my situation didn't change, when I receive wisdom that comes from God, that could bring you joy. 
And so here's the last one for today. How can I experience joy in a trial? Look in the mirror. Choose your transformation, right? And also, have a divine perspective. Have a divine perspective. I think to me, this is really James's whole deal of everything that we're talking about today. I think you could, you could, one of the ways you could summarize it is have a divine perspective. That there's more going on than just what I can see. And there's more to life than just what I care about when it comes to life. I think Paul says it well in Philippians. He says, it's God who works in you. God who works in you for his will to fulfill his good purpose. There's more to my situation than I can see. God is the source of everything. God might be trying to change something in me. God's trying to make me better. God wants to give me a full and beautiful life. And my hope is in God. This is another scripture that has come to mean a lot to me the last couple years. Paul says this in Romans 5. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Why? Because they help us develop endurance. Kind of the same language that James is using. And endurance, what does it do? It develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. How do I have joy in a trial? When you have a divine perspective and your hope begins to shift in God. You know that God might be doing things behind the scenes. You might know that God's trying to work on you and make you better. There's maybe more than what's going on. But your hope, as you press into God the source of joy, the source of wisdom, the source of truth, the more that you press into God, the more that your hope begins to be in God. As you see God begin to change your heart, as you hand over your situation to him, as you hand over your sin to him, as you hand over your personality deficiencies, I don't know why, I just really felt like I just needed to add that in there, but as you hand these things over to God, and as he begins to work on you in that way, You see the change he's doing in you and your hope begins to be, wait, God, how else might, what else do you want to do? Your hope is in God. God, I want, I want your word to be true. I want your promises to be true. God, my hope is in you when you ultimately make all things new, when you make all things beautiful. Yeah, I feel like that's how many of us, uh, during COVID, I think a lot of Christians went two different ways. Some uh, some Christians really pressed into um, anger and politics, and some other Christians really pressed into God's word. I think that's where a lot of people kind of found themselves in one or the other. And for those of us who found ourselves pressing into God's word, your hope was in God's word. Lord, I I see what your word says, that I can have joy in a trial. I, I see what your word says, that you might be trying to do something. Lord, I want that to be true. I hope that it's true. And as you see God is doing this work in you, as you give things to him and as you trust him, Your hope starts to be, wait, God, you do have everything. It is you who has joy, uh, who gives me joy. Lord, ultimately, you're going to make everything right. One day, you'll restore this entire world. You'll restore everything. I'll be with all of my loved ones. You'll begin to have a divine perspective. And so if you have a family member that's far from God, have a divine perspective. Your hope is in God. God, you care about this person more than I ever could. You went to the cross for this person. And so, Lord, you can direct me on how I should talk with them. 
Maybe, again, you've ended a relationship after maybe a long time, years together even. What do I do? Wait, have a divine perspective. No person could ever satisfy the relationship, the longing that I have in my heart with God. I'll experience wholeness and completeness with God, not with another person. Maybe you have a health issue in your family. What does it look like to have a divine perspective? God isn't surprised by that health issue. God is the great physician. He's designed your body, your family member's body. He he knows everything. God could heal them. Also, too, there's more to this life than just this life when we have a divine perspective. Finances seem impossible to overcome. Your living situation isn't ideal. You wish you could make a change at your job. What would it look like for you to have a divine perspective? When you know that God is at work, when you know that God is sovereign, it can bring joy. Pastor Bonnie, would you come and close this out uh, or, or begin to play as we begin to wrap up the service this morning? We're talking about rule of life, and today the rule of joy. How can I have joy in a trial or in a difficult time? We want to remember that God is the source of joy. I'm not going to find joy in my situation changing. I'm not going to joy, find joy if, if everything just works out better. It's like chasing the wind. Joy comes from knowing and serving God. And so joy is a choice that I have to make. It's not fake it till you make it. It's not a smile. It's not just an emotion. It's a state of being from knowing God. So I have to choose joy. I have to remind myself what's true. Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. I remind myself of what's true. And so how do I live in this rule of joy? Look in the mirror. Instead of waiting for my circumstances to change, Lord, what might you be trying to get a hold of underneath? You're testing me not to pass or fail, but you're testing me to show me what's underneath so that I could become better. Choose your transformation. Trials will always bring transformation. You get to choose what kind of result it's going to be. Will you allow God to do that work in you? Ask for wisdom because God is the source of everything. Have your faith in God because he knows all things. He can show you what to do or how to act or how to behave or whatever it may be. And have a divine perspective. Knowing that there's more that God's doing behind the scenes and perhaps even knowing that there's more than just this life when it comes to how I want to see things work out. And so as we wrap up today, I want to invite the ushers to come up front. We're going to uh, distribute the elements for communion. You guys can make your way. And I think in light of the message today, this is a great way to close out as we've talked about how joy comes from a relationship and knowing God. And we're moving to a time of communion together today. I love Pastor Jeff, his message last week, he talked about communing with God, a relationship with God, a relationship. It means, it means not just communication. It means connection. It means devotion. It means intimacy, love, trust, communion. That's what we mean, communion. And so as we take communion together, we're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice. But what a time to commune with God to talk to the source of joy, to talk to the source of wisdom. What a time to commune with our God. And so as the ushers are passing out, we'll take a few moments. 
where you can commune personally with God, and then we'll take the elements together. If you've been watching online today, we thank you for being part of the service. We know that you can live a life full of joy. Thanks for being part of service today. As part of our communion with God. Scripture says we are to take communion in a worthy manner. So if you haven't already, confess any sins that you have to the Lord. Again, it's not a test. It's not a guilt thing. It's about communion and not letting anything be between you and God. And so take another moment and confess any sins that you have before the Lord, something you said or you did. As we prepare to take the elements together. how we'd like to close today as we take communion. In just a minute, I want to invite you to stand to your feet today if you want to respond to today's message. I won't call you up front today, but if you're in a trial right now and you want this joy that comes from the Lord, you know you don't have it. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we take the elements together because James is about practical theology. It's about taking a step. And as you stand up, it's just a physical way for you to say, God, I want to respond to what I heard today. Lord, I want you to make me better. Perhaps you're here today. You don't want your trial to make you bitter. If you know you want your trial to make you better, you want to allow God to make that difference. And I want to invite you to stand to your feet as well. 
If you're here and you feel like joy has been missing in your life, I want you to stand to your feet as we take the elements together. Why? Because we're the family of God. We're the family of God today. You know that's what you want to do. I want to invite you to stand at this time as we begin to take the elements. It says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he said, this is my body which has been given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. It says that he took the cup. He says this is now the blood which represents the new covenant between God and his people. And scripture says that every time that we eat the bread and we take the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What that means is that it applies to me. It applies to my life. Lord, I accept your forgiveness. It applies to my life. And the life we've described today about living one in joy, even through something difficult, Lord, I believe it comes from communion in you. And so let's partake of this together. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness of sin, God. Your sacrifice, we read how it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross because of your love for each one of us. And so, God, I pray for my friends today who are here, my brothers and sisters in the faith who may be standing because they need joy in a certain area. They're standing today on behalf of someone else, whatever it may be, God, I pray that we would experience the joy that comes from you, knowing that you're working on us, that you're trying to make us better. And, Lord, knowing that there's a divine perspective, that you are the source. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we praise you this morning. We ask these things in your name, Jesus.